Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. So it's Friday. We've made it to the end Happy of this Friday. week. And <laughs> yes. uh, hopefully you've been following along. This is the third in a three-part series about toddler feeding challenges. And gosh, we've talked all around a bunch of ages, not just our toddlers, but really like the challenges that come with feeding your kid once that kid is like, you know, has its his own opinions. Um, so this has been fun so far. And today's episode, we're really going to almost do like a day in the life a little bit or go meal by meal chronologically throughout the day and just talk about some strategies we've used with our combined eight kids through the years, through those transitions we talked about on Wednesday and through those pickier stages that we talked about yesterday. Um, Just little ways throughout the day to maybe get in a little more nutrition than you might if you took took your eyes off the ball, so to speak. Yeah. And Sarah, I know you and I, we talk a lot about the big picture and I think food is one of these things where we sort of, you know, you talked about, um, read your caveman eater who would <laughs> eat for like two days straight and then nothing for two days or whatever. And I think like so many things, we tend to put a lot of focus on the meal by meal day by day, especially dinner. Like we really give mm-hmm. dinner so much, um, so much responsibility to do the heavy lifting of being perfectly balanced and sort of being the healthy meal that our kids eat every day. But in reality, between all the grazing a typical toddler does and just the fact that there's many different meals and snacks available to them in a day or, or even in a week, um, there's just a lot of opportunity to introduce new foods, new flavors, new textures, new nutrients. It might not even be where it looks like a perfectly balanced day, but at the end of the week, you might be surprised if you look back, to think about actually what they ate and what the experience of that was. So I think that by kind of breaking it down meal by meal, we might just take some of the pressure off of making dinner the main thing that like makes or breaks your success as a toddler feeding mom. Yeah, totally. And if, if you have a few tips or hacks up your sleeve for getting a little bit of extra fruits and veggies in throughout the day, it can also just ease your mind and take the pressure off. Like you said, for those more traditional, like the packed lunch for daycare or the family dinner that goes awry every, you know, 90% of the time. So it's almost like just a little insurance policy to have these little ways that you feel good about throughout the day. And then it's like, I mean, there's been so many dinners, Megan, where I'm not sure the nutrition happened at all. We were just trying to like keep everyone from crying. So yeah, totally agree. Dinner is not (laughs) the only, the only place where this happens. Um, so yeah, in today's episode, we're going to kind of look at those little like opportunity windows throughout the day and share strategies and things that we have done through the years. Um, And before we dive in, let's welcome back our sponsor for this series, Horizon Organic. 
Yeah, Sarah, I am so glad we are breaking down toddler food meal by meal because like we just talked about, there is often so much emphasis on dinner as the one big meal of the day, but we really do get lots of opportunities throughout a typical day to get nutrients in your little one, not just dinner. And when my kids were little, one of my go-tos was milk because most of them drank it happily and it can be a great source of nutrition. Even way back then, I trusted Horizon Organic and I'm so glad that they developed a whole new set of dairy products for growing kids at a variety of ages, the Growing Years line. The Growing Years products, which were developed with pediatricians, include whole milk, 2% milk, yogurt pouches and drinks, and shelf-stable to-go milk boxes. And they all contain DHA, omega-3 for brain and eye health, and choline to help transport that DHA to where it needs to go in the body. And like Horizon's other products, all the Growing Years milk products are certified USDA organic. Yes, and for a young toddler, Growing Years whole milk is also a great choice because it contains prebiotics to help support good bacteria in your little one's digestive system. And as they grow, preschoolers ages four and up will love the yogurt pouches, dairy smoothies, and 2% milk, all from the Growing Years line. We were really excited to partner with Horizon Organic on this series because we've both been longtime fans of the brand and have given Horizon milks to all eight of our kids over the years. The Growing Years line is such a smart idea for parents with those busy, opinionated toddlers who don't always want to eat everything we would like them to. It's a simple way to breathe a little easier during the stage so you can focus on creating great mealtime memories and a fun family food culture without stressing so much about what's actually in all the food your little one is consuming. Yes. Thank you to Horizon Organic for partnering with us on this series. You can find out more about Horizon's Growing Years products, including Growing Years Whole Milk at horizon.com slash growing years. Again, that's horizon.com slash growing years. Okay, Sarah. So as we have been setting up in this whole series so far, I just want to remind everybody and kind of like hammer back on the theme that a day in the life of feeding a toddler might look very different from the three meals a day mentality we might've grown up with, or even any semblance of order or routine whatsoever. Like really we are with them in a, when they're that age, um, they're, they're just growing so fast. Things are developmentally changing as we talked a lot about in the first episode of the series, like things are just going to look different and it's going to take some time for it to resemble, um, like what you might think of as a family sitting around a table enjoying a dinner meal. I think that we could probably both agree that with toddlers, that's just not typically how it looks. No. And in fact, as you're, as I'm like getting in my time machine here and preparing to go back to when I had even my last toddler who was Violet and I had two older kids at the time, I'm realizing that feeding or, or what, whether you call it a meal or a snack, it was like one of like four rotating block activities in the day that just cycled (laughs) through, right? They're either napping or sleeping. Um, they're playing, they need to be taken out somewhere, like out in the stroller or contained somewhere, put in the ergo to walk around because it's like, they're neither playing happily or sleeping. So they need to be like somehow made happy, calmed down or they're eating. And it's like, even when you're dealing with like a, you know, one to two year old, the number of things they do in the in a day is not that many. So it makes sense then that they wouldn't have three square meals a day, for example, because feeding is a social activity. It's a it keeps them busy. It might keep them happy if they're fussy. And so it, it makes a lot of sense that the a day in the life of a a parent and toddler isn't gonna follow like an eating schedule the way we think of like meals and snacks as older kids and adults. 
You're so right. And I hadn't really thought about that, but like looking back to if I get in my time machine, oh, cute time machine, and blast back to when um, I had toddlers, so much of the food schedule was really about me and like yeah. my need to have something next on the list of things to do. Yes, and that meant sometimes exactly. they were going in the high chair with a snack, whether they cared about food at that moment or not. And it wasn't always even necessarily like some days I really wanted to stick to that routine. And some days I'm like, look, you're going in your high chair and you're going to eat these blueberries because I need you to not be breaking something or climbing on something for a minute or, or getting exactly. into something or like whatever it was. And so, so much of it is and can be parent centered, mm-hmm. which means it isn't necessarily going to just, it's not going to look the way ideally we think it should. And I think that that's just so normal. Um, I feel like normal is the word of the day here. Yeah. Um, or the word of the week, but like, it's just, it's going to look the way we need it to look. Agreed. You know? And I, I also just want to validate that like, we're, we're coming off like now almost a year and a half of a very strange time in the world and in people's schedules. So whether, um, you've been working from home or are staying home with your kids, your schedule and your, your work life balance has probably changed. I'm guessing a whole bunch of times in the last 18 months. And if you have a toddler, that might be their entire life. So just just to validate that sometimes life also influences when and how yes. and what we feed our kids. And, you know, a recurring theme of this episode is that it doesn't all have to happen at dinner. But I would say, especially for full-time working families, um, it, there's so many different ways both to get the social and emotional enjoyment of eating together and also the nutritional part that doesn't have to be in a traditional dinner situation. Yeah. And I want to share some results from our content partner, Baby Center. Um, They did a community poll asking moms questions about their toddler's feeding schedules. And the question they asked was, what sort of schedule does your toddler eat on? And I thought it was really interesting how mixed the results were. There was sort of like about, I don't know, well over half that were you know, schedule three meals a day and two snacks a day, which let's just, again, point out that just because that's the schedule mom puts the food out and puts the kid in front of the food doesn't mean that they're eating the same amount at each of those meals day to day, snacks day to day, or that they are eating any of it. Like that, that's, yeah. you know, that's just kind of one way of serving the food. That doesn't mean that the toddler ate it the way the mm-hmm. mom wanted them to. But the other results, like at least one meal on schedule, but grazing the rest of the time, that was a big chunk of the answers. Mm-hmm. Grazing all day was a big chunk. And then Mm -hmm. my toddler eats from my plate whenever I'm eating. I know um, (laughs) we joke about moms eating from their kids' plates, but the kids eat from mom's plates too. And like we talked about in the last episode, especially Sarah, culturally, that is normal in some places. Like and and throughout time, like that would be the way it it would make the most sense to eat. Like there would just be food. And then in a family, you would just eat from the, like they, you would just eat mm-hmm. the stuff that made the most sense for you to eat out of the food that was available. Um, and I think that like, it's just interesting to look we, just because you think everybody does it one way does not mean everybody's doing it one way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I thought that poll was really interesting as well. And I'm sure if we talked to a hundred moms, we'd get a hundred different pictures of a day in the life of feeding a toddler. Yeah. Well, should we touch on kind of the main meals, even as we've just said, it's not all about the main meals, but we can move chronologically through the day and talk about, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, maybe even desserts, and just talk about how it's worked in our families with our kids. And also if we have any memories of like good opportunities for getting those high nutrient foods, you know, kind of sneaked in or snuck in, that's the wrong phrase, but you know what I mean? Like 
maybe in surprising ways, introducing those throughout the day. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to touch on breakfast really quick. And I just want to say that I think breakfast gets a lot of attention as the right, like a, a very important time to eat during the day, but that the, the nutrition of breakfast does not get nearly as much attention as it could. And what I mean by that is I think that breakfast foods are some of the most toddler friendly ways to pack in a bunch of nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have a really hard time breaking out of the idea that we can't eat breakfast after like 10 a.m. Like we like live in a diner or something. But <laughs> I mean, we're talking like scrambled eggs, berries, um, the whole grains in a pancake or a waffle, granola or a wholesome cereal with milk, yogurt. Like so many of those foods are what toddlers already really like. Mm-hmm. And they can be eaten any time of the day. It doesn't have to be before. It doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. And maybe your toddler doesn't like to eat first thing in the morning. And and that's okay too. So I, I just want to like say that I think as a food experience, yes. breakfast is kind of where it's at and you can get a lot of mileage out of breakfast foods. You can. And the other thing I've noticed is nobody publishes meal plans for breakfast. And I didn't used to, I never thought about what is our family having for breakfast, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's just never, it's not how I grew up. It's not really how I fed my family. But if dinner is a struggle for you and you feel more on your A game in the morning or there's more structure in your day, you could definitely come up with a very simple, repeatable meal plan that kind of cycles through some of those great options you were talking about, Megan, which also helps with shopping and prepping and not being a short order cook in the morning. So if you have a bunch of kids of multiple ages, you could decide that like Monday is yogurt parfait day. It doesn't have to be fancy, but you just have the ingredients and that's what everybody's having. And then there's an egg day and then there's a like a, an oatmeal day or whatever. So I think yeah. um, sometimes we also give dinner all the attention in terms of planning, shopping and prepping. But like you said, there's some natural uh, nutrition opportunities at breakfast. So why not flip the script there and and put that little bit of extra planning, which just makes your life easier as a mom. So I love that idea. Can I also say something about eggs and toddlers? Because yeah. I have pretty good egg eaters in my house. Most of my kids, they, they all like eggs now. And most of them liked eggs, you know, from the beginning. But the way they liked their eggs, going back to our picky selective episode, is so different and so funny. So like we discovered by accident that one of them really loved a runny yolk, which I would not have thought that a usually you wouldn't a think a toddler mm-hmm. would like that. Yeah. 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 And so they, you know, would kind of dip their toast in a runny yolk or we'd make them one fried egg and just let them kind of make a mess. And that kid didn't like scrambled eggs the traditional way, which, you know, I, I think scrambled eggs is how I would think toddlers would like eggs. Um, and we also have very strong opinions in my family about hard boiled eggs and some like the whole thing. Some only like the whites. And I saw that in the baby center poll as well of like eating yolks, but not whites or whites, but not yolks. Mm -hmm. So just as a reminder that eggs can be served so many different ways. And we talked a lot yesterday about kind of curiosity and experimentation. And I feel like the egg, if like maybe more than any other food product could just go a bunch of different ways from texture to taste to what you serve it in and how the toddler eats it. So keep trying with those eggs. I love it. And also, um, Breakfast foods are relatively inexpensive too. I just think it's a great, like it's not an expensive way to get a lot of nutritional bang for your buck. And like you said, to have a, if you want to have like a really, um, if you want to have some structure around your meal plan, but dinner's just not the time for you to do that for lots of reasons, breakfast makes a lot of sense and you'll probably save some money. Like it's just, it's a, it's a really easy and inexpensive way to do that. And it might be the, your family's prime time. It might be when everyone's happy and energetic and you've got time to sit. And so, so who knows, just keep an open mind about that. We talked about, um, 
trying, you know, global foods, or we talked about kind of taking a worldview in the very first episode, Megan. And I think it's worth pointing out that cultures around the world do very different things with breakfast. And we have this like idea of sweet for American breakfast, sweet or eggs and savory. Um, But just a reminder that there's all kinds of foods around the world that are served in the morning. And if you like this idea of packing nutrition in at breakfast, but your kids don't like breakfast foods or you don't like breakfast foods, just a reminder that it's okay to have dinner leftovers in the morning. And like, you may have a kid who wants that, like, I don't know, sausage and mushroom piece of pizza for last night from last night for breakfast. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you go eat at a brunch buffet, you're going to have probably smoked salmon and other things that, you know, I wouldn't typically bust out when I make breakfast at home, but that doesn't mean that those things or whatever things, right. That aren't even in the American version of what breakfast looks like. Um, they can all be on, they can all be on the potential list of breakfast foods. Um, snack foods are also can be a great way to fill in gaps. And I think that sometimes if you think about like, which snack foods your toddler likes the best that does the best job of filling in those gaps, they can be eaten whenever. So maybe your dinner or your lunch or whatever is going to be, I don't know, a salad with chicken breast and vegetables or something like that. So you could totally give a small portion of whatever that is to your toddler, but then have a side of blueberries and a cheese stick. Like you can pull in elements Mm -hmm. of many different meals to kind of cobble together the big picture for your toddler. Yeah. I like that idea. I always had certain things that like my young toddlers and preschoolers could graze on any time of day where I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to limit them because it might ruin another meal or whatever. Um, and those were generally, um, you know, blueberries. So fruits and fruits and veggies. We laughed about how I served like frozen veggies right from the freezer to my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think having, having a couple go-tos that you feel good about nutritionally that sometimes kids just want to nosh on something. Sometimes they yeah. just want to snack. And we tend to jump right to the like more processed snacks. And we either we either get them out and give them to the kid or we don't because we feel guilty about it. But just a reminder that the idea of snacking might just be a kid who's busy and needs something to distract them or needs like needs some stimulation in some way. And if you have some go to's that you feel really good about, those can be eaten any time of day. Um also, I want to talk on like this idea of taking snacks when we go places, because I know, Megan, you've talked on the podcast before about how that is not that's like a recent thing that moms are supposed to carry snacks with them in their purse yeah. at all times. Well, when Jake, I mean, and maybe I just was maybe a little out of it when Jake and Isaac were really little. Maybe I just didn't have a lot of other mom friends. But I remember being really surprised, like when I had Will and Owen to to learn how much of like on the go food culture had taken over and how. Mm-hmm. The expectation was if you went to the park with your diaper bag, you know, and your toddler that you were going to have one of those little containers with like the yep. little hole, you know, yep. the little hole in the top that was going to be full of cereal or like some kind of those little finger puffs or mm-hmm. um, so any, something they could eat. And the one thing I remember being kind of disturbed was like, but their hands are filthy. That, and I'm not a germaphobe, yeah. but I do remember thinking those two things don't <laughs> go together. But also that so much of it wasn't stuff I would have served them at home. It was like to go food had was this totally different class of like highly yeah. processed food that I thought was interesting. Like, I just thought, well, this, uh, this seems unnecessary. Like, could they eat before we go or couldn't they just eat something that resembles the food that they eat at home? Yes. And that yeah. is, that's what I started to do after a while. I mean, of course, it's not like my kids never had some of those processed snacks in the little snack trap. Of course they did. 
But if I was feeling like I wanted to get a little more nutrition in them, I would do basically the opposite. Instead of think what kind of filler snack can I throw in a cup and take to the park? I would think what's, what's the thing that they will eat if they're hungry enough, if they truly need a snack, they will come to me and I will have maybe some nuts or some, a cheese stick cut up into little pieces, or again with the blueberries or some carrots. And so that way I felt like I wasn't going to get a kid who was hangry because they were just melting Mm -hmm. down because they were truly hungry. But also if they, if they weren't really hungry and they were just looking for that kind of, I don't know, like autopilot snack. Yes. I didn't have it. So it was like, great. Yeah. You're hungry. I have a banana or we can wait till we get home. So that was kind of like where I landed on that. I love that. And, um, I was just thinking when you were talking about that before we started recording that I used to use like leaving the house as sort of like a dispensary for the food they didn't finish. So Mm. it might be like something with a bite, like a single bite taken out of it that they were going to otherwise waste. And I'd be like, Oh, great. This isn't done. We can take this to the park. We can take this in the car or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. And then that unfinished breakfast food or that like snack that didn't get finished at 11 AM might become snack in the afternoon. And I don't think kids have as many hangups about that kind of thing as we assume they will, or sometimes there's easy ways around it. So um, another thing we talked about was like having to start an apple for your toddler. Remember that? Yeah. Like when you put your teeth in it, so because their little mouth can't get around it. Well, sometimes that they would take three nibbles and that was it. But if you if you just cut their teeth marks out of it later, they don't really realize that like yeah. that's the same apple they were gnawing on earlier. You really can pull some Jedi mind tricks because they're not, th- they're like, their their sense of time and memory back to like this morning's snack situation isn't always that well attuned. Yeah. So um, lots of weight, lots of ways to work with what you've got and not reinvent the wheel every snack. Agreed. Okay. I feel like lunch is all over the place because I know we have listeners whose toddlers are in preschool or daycare at lunch and they're maybe packing lunches. I know for me, most of the time I was home with toddlers at lunch. So I'm curious, what did, what did, maybe we could just both talk about what lunches looked like for us in the toddler years. So it was very much all over the place for me, depending on whether they were eating at home or whether they were eating um, at daycare or like some kind of early preschool program. Cause I know, you know, toddler is kind of a hard time. We've really been focusing on like the second year of life, but toddlerhood really kind of goes all the way up to like three, right? Yeah. So there's like, oh, there's like a pretty wide window. And I would say lunches were very like predictable with my toddlers who were at home. It was typically like a, you know, a sandwich on whole grain bread or maybe like slices of meat and cheese with like um, berries on the side or a sliced up apple on the side or some kind of fruit um, or some kind of like little, like easy to eat vegetables. Sometimes it would be leftovers from the night before. And I was just lucky that my kids all really liked vegetables a lot. Like they really loved roasted veggies in particular. So it wasn't hard to like repurpose those and reserve them the next day. So it was a lot of, it was just kind of basic. Now, when Mm -hmm. they were in a Montessori school, um, in a Montessori preschool, and then later when, um, I'm trying to think like which kids even went to daycare, I guess it was just the oldest two. Well, Will did too. So the oldest three who actually would have eaten lunch at the toddler age, not at home. Yeah. There were often restrictions or like more heavy, I guess, guidelines about what they were allowed to eat. And that was pretty stressful. I have to say, because then I'm trying to make a lunch out of stuff that I didn't know that they would even want to eat. And there, there couldn't be any waste. And like, that was a little bit, um, it was just stressful. So I think that also like distinguishing between what kids eat at home and how, and what they eat when they're not at home is important too, because 
at home, it's so easy just to open up the fridge and pull out a couple of things and kind of cobble it together on a plate and hand it to them. But if you're trying to pack something every morning in a little lunchbox or a bento box and make it all jive and make sense, it just, it adds a whole nother layer of complication. And I guess what I would say is if your kid is the one who only ever eats like two nibbles out of the cheese cubes and like a bite out of the apple and everything else comes home untouched, A, it's okay to repurpose some of that food for the next day, Mm -hmm. just saying. But B, it's that's just okay. Like, I think we often just overpack. And it's more obvious when you send it away with them and then it comes back uneaten than it would be if they just left it on the plate. I totally agree. And I'm going to piggyback on that with some more thoughts on snacks versus lunch and what's even the difference. Like, I guess for me, I was working from home and really like a pretty much a stay at home mom for a lot of the toddler years or I was working just a few hours a week. And it didn't I, I just really tried to look at the whole course of the day. And I had kids who'd eat more in the quote unquote snack times a day. So call that like 1030 in the morning and after nap at three o'clock. And and I could actually get them to eat, you know, a mix of protein and produce. And and then at the traditional lunchtime, if they were sleepy because they were getting ready for nap or we were rushed or they were at a preschool situation where they wanted to play with their friends and they weren't interested in the bento box. Like, I don't think that the quantity of food consumed at lunch versus snacks has to be like, you know, six to one in the direction of lunch. It can be one right. to six. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like it's like a pre-lunch and a post-lunch and a snack in the middle if it, if it helps to think about it that way. Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't, I don't feel like I have a lot of like super helpful tips to give for lunch because I do think just like we've been talking about, like de-emphasizing the importance of some meals. And I think lunch can be particularly hard because it tends to be the one that's more likely to be consumed in front of other people who don't live in your family, who don't mm-hmm. live in your household. And I think that adds like a lot of pressure to make it cute or to make it more diverse nutritionally than you would maybe otherwise worry about. I'm thinking about the bento box craze, yeah. right? I Like all of those things have added a certain level of competitiveness almost to lunch that um, can start very young, uh, can start at the toddler age if your kids are, are packing a lunch to take with yeah. them. So um, I guess I would just demystify it by saying lunches can, I think, be boring or, or different. Or they can be something that's not even doesn't even look traditionally like a lunch. You know what worked well for me? I just remembered when my kids were toddlers, if we had uh, grown up leftovers, we had a lot of soups and stews and chili and stuff, which is not easy for a two year old to to feed themselves soup or stew. So I'm not suggesting that. Right. But what I would do is I'd pick out the the larger beans, like big kidney beans or yeah. chunks of ground turkey or corn or cooked carrots from a soup. Um, and it's it's like, well, they didn't have soup but they also didn't have a sandwich today. They had something else. And it was basically the, the pieces of the soup minus the liquid. And yes. um, that was always like a great thing to have in the fridge. Cause I didn't have to make a sandwich. I literally yeah. could pick it out with my fingers and warm it up a little bit. And then I don't even know what you call that. Like a goulash of soup material. Well, yeah, it's like a, a, a it, it's a deconstructed soup. So yeah. I was just thinking about, I used to do like basically deconstructed black bean tacos, same thing. My kids all really loved to just pick up black beans with their fingers and eat them. Mm -hmm. So I would, maybe we'd had tacos the night before with black beans. And so maybe today lunch is literally going to be a scoop of black beans on your plate with a little bit of smushed up avocado. Maybe if there's like any red pepper or tomato leftover from last night, I might kind of mix that in. 
I'm not going to like make another, I, I don't need to make another taco at this point. They're just going to sit at their tray and, you know, snack on it. Right. And that, right. but that was lunch. It wasn't a snack. And I guess that's our point, right? That lunches can kind of be all over the place. They're that middle of the day situation where it's yeah. like, you're maybe you're using stuff up from breakfast. Maybe you're getting ahead of dinner. Maybe they don't even, they're not even really hungry because they just ate yep. breakfast and you're just doing it to get them in the high chair. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's all good. So good. let's talk about dinner because I do think there's so much pressure and I, we've already kind of hinted at this, but I just want to, again, reiterate that if it's an important part of your family's values to sit down and enjoy a meal all together, you know, not maybe every day, but like regularly, that's great. But there's really nothing that says it has to be a 6 p.m. dinner meal every night. And, and one of the reasons I think this becomes a little more um, obvious with a toddler is that like we've touched on their nap schedules might be different, or maybe you're just tired. Maybe by yeah. six o'clock you're done and you would rather feed your toddler early and get them to bed. So you can sit down with your spouse and actually, you know, like eat and enjoy mm -hmm. it. Um, so maybe that looks like you sit at the table with them, but you're just kind of having a little appetizer and they're eating their meal. So you can put them to bed and then eat with your spouse or or maybe you really want to shift that meal back a lot earlier, or you want to make that big family meal a late breakfast or a lunch. So um, again, I just like, let's just de-emphasize the idea that this has to be the big family meal. That's mm -hmm. so heavy. And for a lot of moms, like it's literally the most stressful and grumpy time of the day. Mm -hmm. And dinner tends to be the most complicated meal that takes mm -hmm. the longest to cook and then the most work to clean up afterward. So I just don't feel like it has to be that when you have a toddler, that's enough work. <laughs> And enough yep. grumpiness, right? It yeah. it totally is. And um, depending on your work schedule and like your your whole family schedule, there may be weekend opportunities that become really sweet family traditions that look nothing like a six o'clock dinner Monday through Friday. Right. Um, it might be a weekend, like an after church lunch that that the, that's when the kids do practice sitting together all together or setting a pretty table. There's so many little ways I think to engage toddlers and preschoolers in the specialness of a meal and their best time of day is not six o'clock at night. Your best time of day is no. probably not six o'clock at night. So in my family, we had a lot of really special, um, you know, it might be a holiday brunch or it might be mother's day or father's day. And, and the kids would get involved by making place cards and, you know, deciding where everybody was going to sit. Those, those things don't have to happen every single day to start to be a part of your family rituals around food. So yeah, I would just echo that we can de-emphasize the nightly dinner and almost circle back to something we said way days and days ago on Wednesday when we kicked off this series. I think we were talking about like how when your toddler's going through a transition, you might have to de-emphasize one aspect of nutrition for a little while while they work on a new developmental skill. And I think with dinners, it's the same thing. Like you, you get to pick one or two things that are important to you. Maybe it's everyone getting <laughs> yes. to bed on time. Maybe it's like, maybe nutrition is the most important thing at dinner, but then sitting around all together is not going to happen because you've got to get everybody what they need. Cause you have babies and toddlers of different ages. Like it can't all be done every night at six o'clock when you're in the trenches of the toddler years. Yeah. And I think that this idea of keeping expectations really in check and and again, we've touched on this a few times, like it's okay to have an expectation, just make it realistic. Um, if you're, if what you really need to get out of a dinnertime experience is that your toddler sits in their high chair for five or 10 minutes and has food in front of them, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and, and like, doesn't throw a huge fit. It's okay to work toward that, but like probably 
trying to push it to half hour right off the bat if they can't even sit for five is probably just creating a lot of work for yourself. Same as like putting together elaborate dinner meals. If no one but you and your spouse is going to eat them, then maybe that maybe you save that for like a different time to eat yeah. when the toddler is not part of that experience. And I, yeah. I don't feel like that's giving up. I think, um, I think there's all kinds of ways we don't give up when they're that age. We just like shove over a little bit. Yeah. We just kind of like, you know, like we're not giving up forever. We're just like, for now, like, let's just pick our battles and do the thing that makes the most sense for now. Yes, I totally agree. I do have one um, sort of actual little nutrition trick, I guess, for dinner. Um, and that is that if you are cooking and preparing a meal yourself, which in my toddler years, I was not always, I was sometimes just copying it out and phoning it in. But if you are actually, you've got out the cutting boards and you're prepping, um, setting aside little bite-sized things for kids to try, especially raw veggies in safe portion sizes, um, and putting out the, the, the highest nutrient stuff as a little pre-dinner snack when kids start to wander in and ask when dinner is or ask what's for dinner. Um, uh, there was a comment on the baby center Facebook post that I'll link to in the show notes, um, that they asked a question about kind of sneaking in nutrition throughout the day. And someone said, putting out the veggies before dinner and seeing Mm, if kids will wander over and eat, eat them. And I definitely have done that. And then guess what? Like the kids might not want veggies on their plate at dinner and maybe their plate doesn't look like the rainbow, but in that time when they were hungry and circling like little vultures, that was the only thing that was available. Like same as my strategy to only have the healthy snacks out when you're at the park. Yeah. So I did the same thing when mine were little and, and often it was just to, to honestly keep their little yaps shut while I was trying to make dinner. So, you know, they weren't bugging me all the time about what, you know, when dinner was going to be made. And this was when they were a little older, but toddlers can get on this action too, but I would just have like, um, cucumber slices and little Mm -hmm. baby carrots and ranch out and sometimes cantaloupe or something. Something Mm -hmm. I maybe wasn't going to serve with dinner anyway. Um, But then by the time I got to dinner, it's like, well, if they don't necessarily eat that much of the veggie on their plate, they've already just filled up on all these other veggies. So that's okay. Like I didn't get too precious about them not, you know, quote, filling up before dinner when, especially when they had those tiny little tummies because their stomachs were always like half full anyway. They're itty bitty. So um, it, it was more like, what's the thing? What is the most important thing? Like you said, pick two. Um, yeah. it's going to be, they're going to eat some vegetables and, or they're going to sit and talk to me for a little while or whatever yeah. the two things are. Um, but picking those things and it can change from day to day. Agreed. So should we mention quickly desserts? Because I, I know dessert was not a big thing for my family. Um, not that we, we all love sweets, but I just was never like, I was never the mom who has a dessert every night when I did, it was pretty special, but I did realize that there's a lot of ways to make something a dessert without it actually being even really that sweet or like a ton of work. So um, mixed berries with homemade whipped cream or even Mm. not homemade whipped cream was a big one that we used to do kind of a lot. There's lots of like quick breads that are relatively low in sugar that are sweet and can kind of taste like a dessert. So Mm -hmm. I think you have even room to get kind of creative with dessert and make it something you feel good about. And I do really like the ritual of dessert. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I try to make it something we can do or like a cup of tea, you know, like in a mm-hmm. lot of like having your after dinner coffee or tea is like a, a cultural thing that people really enjoy doing. And I sometimes forget that's an option. So mm-hmm. um, lots of ways to look at like whatever the cap on the meal is. It can also be just a tiny little bite. It doesn't have to be like a big piece of cake or something. I totally agree. And I, that brings up a good point, which is if you're 
early in the toddler years with your first child now, you know, you probably have some aspirations about sweets and sugar and and how that's going to work. And those aspirations are great. They're leading you down a path. Um, talk to talk, you know, circle back to us in 10 years and let us know how right? this worked out. But it's a great time to start modeling and thinking about how you yourself think about sweets. Like I think in again, in our American culture, we have like supersize everything. We can be very binary and black and white about like sugar bad or like I'm right. going to have this giant ice cream sundae. So thinking about what it what it looks like for you, like, do you ha- do you like to have a little piece of dark chocolate after dinner? Because that like that satisfies a little sweet tooth. Could your two year old have a little bite of that? Sure. Why not? Like almost normalizing like how sugar and sweets work in your family. You have a good opportunity now when the kids are little and they're not coming home with like I don't know, goodie bags from school with 14 lollipops. Like you're still right. relatively in control at this stage, which I think is a great time to think about like what you said, Megan, like the ritual of an after dinner suite or what do we like to keep in the house? Because, you know, we get three chocolate chips when we try to go potty or whatever. Like, I think there's so many different ways that sugar and desserts and sweets can be healthfully integrated into your family food culture, but it might take some trial and error for you, especially because there's a lot of mixed messages out there about desserts, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's a mind, like there's the mindfulness part, I think is what tends to get overlooked. And I think when we have such an all or nothing stance, especially around our kids, that tends to be when you, um, if you buy a box of cookies, it's gone in a night, you know, or whatever. And mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a little cup of chocolate milk. Like my kids look at that as dessert or hot cocoa after dinner mm-hmm. or whatever it is, like a little sweet, something doesn't have to be every night, but I think you're right that there's ways to like I don't know, mindfully and mindfully work that into an overall balanced and nutritious way of eating. And that's kind of the goal, right? Yeah. And now I want a chocolate chip cookie right now. (laughs) Dipped in chocolate milk. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds really good. All right. Well, as we wrap up this last episode in our toddler feeding challenges series, we want to thank our content partners over at Baby Center and our sponsor, Horizon Organic. Yeah, definitely check the show notes wherever you're listening now for more about both Baby Center and Horizon Organic. And you can find out more about all the Growing Years products, including Growing Years Whole Milk at horizon.com slash growing years. Again, that's horizon.com slash growing years. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.